Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Tomates Leather Podcast. I'm Logan, and here today we've got a full myriad of our cast. Out in Georgia, we've got Tommy Keen. How's it going, Tommy? You'll just have to take my word for it. He's definitely there. And out in Texas, we've got Artem. How's it going, Artem? Hey, yo. And out in Tennessee, our, our new uh, scouting location for Vanderbilt, we got Andrew. How are they looking out there, Andrew? Well, they had Derek Mason on Sports Radio here the other day, and he was interesting guy to listen to. Apparently, one of the things they're about to start looking at is building a new stadium. Really? Because uh, I've heard bad things about their current stadium, so that would be pretty good for them in the long run. It's a lot like Wallace Wade at Duke. So it's just an ugly bowl and the film center is like actually 100 yards away from the stadium? Kind of. It's a, it's not a full bowl, and they've got a big tented area behind one of the end zones. Oh, uh, Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think they could use a new stadium. Question is, how are they going to fill the seats? That I don't know. But Tell everyone it's secretly a baseball game. <laughs> that could work. Anyway, uh, on that theme, this week we're talking about the SEC. So this week we've decided to divvy up our teams into three tiers. Uh, tier three is the kind of uh, thrown-by-the-wayside teams, teams we're not expecting to do particularly well. Tier two is teams we expect to do well but not necessarily challenge for a championship or teams that we didn't know where else to put them in one particular team's case. And tier one is your standard championship competitors. I think we've I think if you know anything about college football, you've probably got a general guess of who's going to be the tier one teams. Anyway, since we're already talking about Vandy, uh, why don't we continue on that process? Andrew, uh, on a serious note now, what are Vandy's prospects going into the upcoming season? Uh, they kind of surprised a few people last year with their defensive prowess. Should we expect them to make another bowl game this year, or are, are we uh, looking for at a bigger struggle for them with the competition in the East this year? So it's interesting looking at their numbers. The defense really wasn't rated that highly statistically. They thrived on turnovers. And it's always concerning to me when a statistically bad defense forces a lot of turnover because you can start to run into, well, they're not really good. They were just lucky. So that's what's going to be interesting to see is if that defense can actually do something and show that there is some talent there. On the offensive side, they've got to replace Kyle Shermer, who set a ton of school records, yards passing, touchdowns. And his biggest thing is Kyle Shermer went 3-1 and one against Tennessee, which is fantastic for a Vanderbilt quarterback. You know, running backs back to Sean Vaughn. They've got a couple of offensive linemen. All three of their starting wide receivers are back. So there's some, there's some players on offense that will help the transition of quarterback. Riley Neal, a transfer from Ball State is probably going to have a chance to be the starter. It'll be interesting to see what happens. He's competing with Deuce Wallace for that job. Uh, their big thing is the schedule is kind of rough. They have to travel to Purdue, which is a tough game. They get LSU. 
and Ole Miss as their crossovers. And they actually beat Ole Miss last year in overtime, so that might be a game that they – that's been, the, like, the forced crossover rivalry there is, like, the bloodthirsty Vanderbilt-Ole Miss rivalry, you know, that everyone talks about. But I just – I think they're going to struggle. I don't see a bowl game, unfortunately. I think the schedule is just tough, and they lost too many guys on a defense that looked great because of turnovers, but – you can't really rely on turnovers. A lot of that's just kind of luck. That's a fair point. And uh, that's a fair point. And I think they start off their season in a rough patch going straight up against Georgia. So that's pretty much an amazing. They, uh, they go Georgia at Purdue on the LSU. Yeah, that's that's going to be a rough one. Oh. They've got a bye after Purdue, so. I'll do. I will ask you, Artem, since we're kind of going uh, off of the schedule. I will ask you the tough question, since we're not expecting them to make a bowl game. What do you think their prospects going into the Tennessee matchup? That's always a prideful game for them, and, and um, I believe they beat Tennessee this past year. I might be wrong, but they beat Tennessee within the last two years at least. I remember uh, one of my friends is a Vandy fan, and they were. <clears throat> pretty hyped up. Uh, I, I think their hardest thing is going to be finding a quarterback to, to fall behind. They usually have a very consistent defense, but their team gets tired. So by that point in the season, you know, we'll, we'll see if they have enough depth to play Tennessee because uh, Tennessee's been loading up with, with all the excitement with Pruitt as a new coach. Um, it'll just depend. Uh, if, if Vaughn is still healthy by then, I think they'll have a chance because I think he's their biggest weapon. All right, with that said, Tommy, I'll throw the softball to you. Do you have any last thoughts on Vandy going into the year, or are we basically looking at them to be the bottom team in the SEC this year? Um, yeah, I think you're right about that being a softball question. They're uh, favored in three matches. Those three matches are Northern Illinois, Eastern Tennessee, and UNLV, so they're non-conference outside of Purdue. Um I, I think heading into the Tennessee matchup, they have three wins and they lose to Tennessee and they finish the season three and nine. Fair enough. Okay. Well, with that in mind, let's go ahead and kick it over to the next team. Tommy, why don't you start us off talking about Arkansas? Uh, what are you looking for in this team? Are they essentially going to be the Vandy of the West or are we looking at uh, a team with the, under the new coach, uh, who could potentially be a uh, bowl-eligible team out there. So the nice thing for Arkansas is they load their non-conference schedule at the beginning. Um, So they've got Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State in the first four weeks with a trip to Old Miss in um, week two. So they could be heading into their their matchup with Texas A&M in week five with uh, potentially three wins on there. Um, I'm going to say between San Jose State and Ole Miss, they'll probably win one and lose one. I have no idea which one, honestly, because I think San Jose State um, has a pretty good shot in this matchup. Uh, And Ole Miss always seems to trip up against somebody, um, and you never know where, who it's going to be, and why not Arkansas. Um, I do expect them to get more than two wins last year. If you look at um, their coach um, from his time at SMU, he took over a team that went 1-11. It took him three years to get them to a winning record. This is 
year two, I believe, for them. So next year, look for them to take uh, a second stride forward. So, you know, they only have to win three games to take a stride forward this year. But I think they have a shot at winning four, potentially five games this year, uh, which would be a successful and then have a chance. Uh, they got a, still a pretty young roster. Um so a chance next year to really step forward and really fight for bowl eligibility, but I don't see it this year. Okay, well, uh, with that in mind, uh, how about something easier for them to fight for? Arnhem, I'm coming to you with the questions for what they can fight for. Uh, obviously, Arkansas struggled this in the past getting SEC wins. That's why they ended up getting rid of uh, Brett Bielema. What are some SEC matchups that they're looking at this year that they could potentially challenge in? I'm guessing you're not going to say Texas A&M. Uh, yeah, the trouble with Arkansas is um, you can't lose to UNT at home. Uh, that kind of rattled them pretty badly last season, and they had some troubles with their depth chart uh, as far as quarterback, struggling to find the right guy. To Now they got two transfers that they're looking at. And one is Ben Hicks, like uh, Tommy mentioned. He's probably going to start. Uh, you got Nick Starkle from Texas A&M. Uh, the biggest thing is going to be, well, actually, just to mention, their third stringer is Jerry Jones' son. Um, biggest thing for them is going to be just finding a defense that's not predictable. Um, the reason I say that is they, they have our old defensive coordinator from two years ago, and you know the, the plays that he had drawn up is you knew he was in a double a gap blitz every third down and all you have to do is a running back wheel route to either side and that guy was wide open so uh, it just depends on how predictable they are in in, in their games and if they change their defense up a little bit uh, the good thing is they have a bunch of defenders coming back the bad thing is they also have some transfers and freshmen on that same defense so uh, i don't see a lot of hope for these guys honestly um they're still kind of getting into shape to play in chad morris's system of a, kind of a more athletic run out, make the blocks on, on the um, on the wings instead of the smash mouth Bielema style. So I, I think it's only been a year. Uh, the guys that are there that are now breaking it too deep, there's a lot of freshmen in there, and those guys haven't developed their bodies enough for them to be a competitive team. Uh, it's going to be tough. All right. And finally, Andrew, do you have anything to add to the Arkansas conversation? I don't – I think we've pretty well covered our bases on this one. I think their defense is kind of interesting because they're the mirror image of the Vanderbilt defense. Not great technically and really, really bad at turnovers. And so it's interesting how when you look at the numbers, the defensives look a lot alike. But we have this idea of Vanderbilt being a good, stout defense, whereas we have an Arkansas defense that was you know, a wet paper bag. So it's really interesting to look at how turnovers can really impact some of those ideas. I think Morris, again, it's it's in a long-term rebuild. They signed a top 25 recruiting class last year, which is really, really good at Arkansas and is almost required to compete in the SEC West. You know, a, a good season for them is winning a conference game, beating maybe Kentucky or, or Ole Miss or spooking somebody random, maybe beating Missouri in Little Rock to end the season. 
but yeah, I, I think Morris is a good coach. I think Artem kind of hit on it. There is there's still a changeover on the offensive scheme where you're really kind of changing out what you're trying to do, the offensive linemen. And I think Ben Hicks is a good transfer coming from SMU where he played for Morris a little bit. So it's a long-term rebuild. And if you're an Arkansas fan, just kind of hold on. You know, hopefully he can keep recruiting well and, and just kind of dig you out of a hole. Because, you know, you're you're competing in arguably the top division in, in the country. So it's always going to be tough. Well, hey, I mean, hope for some good barbecue and hold in tight because uh, it's it's going to be a while. I, I would still like to see them make a bowl game and maybe get a few more wins in the SEC. But, yeah, like you said, it's going to be a long-term rebuild before they can get there. Uh, next up, so we're talking about are they the Bears or the Land Sharks? I don't even know anymore. Old Miss. Uh So Ole Miss was a team that was pulling in a lot of talent out in the West and for a few years was actually challenging Alabama and some of the other top teams out there. Since then, they've kind of fallen off. Uh, We're not expecting, and now they've got all these scandals coming off of last season that they're trying to overcome. So looking back on it, Ole Miss has kind of uh, dropped down into the tier three category from where they were before, but Andrew, I'll pass. I'll pass it to you. Who? What are our thoughts on Ole Miss this year? Are we, are we a little more optimistic about Ole Miss compared to Arkansas, or are they about on the same level? I'd almost say they're probably a little bit worse. Their their defense, easily the worst defense in the conference last year. Now they did bring in a new DC, former Colorado head coach Mike McIntyre. So it'll be really interesting to see what he tries to do with a defense you know they have eight starters coming back which is good and and is helpful so there are some guys that have played so it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do with them their big losses on offense are pretty much every single wide receiver you know dk metcalf aj brown all of them gone the quarterback jordan tayamu's gone phil luongo the offensive coordinator left for north carolina in steps you know elder statesman rich rodriguez who's been all over the world with his kind of spread what he's trying to do tight ends gone i think they're in for a really really rough season the the offense doesn't return much and they're really young on top of that so i think it's going to be rough they the non-conference doesn't really help them they open up at memphis and i don't think they win that game and then that october 5th game against vanderbilt that that might be a battle between the two of them as to who doesn't go winless in the sec Fun thoughts. Uh, <laughs> so Ole Miss, we're not expecting much, much out of them. Uh, Tommy, do, what what else do you want to add to the Ole Miss conversation? So I, I think the interesting thing about Ole Miss right now is figuring out whether they're trying to duct tape and you know get their way through all the the scandals and the changeover and everything, um, and if uh, the new Rich Rod and um, Mike McIntyre coordinators are, are going to make things better or worse um, in the short term and long term. Uh, there's a couple interesting things to look at. You know, they've got a Richard freshman coming in as a quarterback and Rich Rodriguez has always had teams with decent quarterbacks and made something out of nothing there. Um, so you could see some offensive um 
moments there and could get something later in the season really built out. Um, but I, I think they're going to have a rough start to begin with. And if they can't get these scandals uh, under control in the locker room, even if they're starting, you know, if the media talks about it all the time, it's not a big deal. But if it really starts to affect the players um, and carries over onto the field, they, they could be in for a really, really rough uh, kind of reset here. Artem, I'll throw you a different kind of question because obviously we know where they stand football-wise this year. Does it bother you to have a team like that with all these accusations coming out at, uh, on a seemingly a yearly basis in your division that you have to play every year? Good question. It, it bothers me that the NCAA is not doing anything about it, so – you know, for a while there, what they went on a four or five year streak of high recruiting classes that were weird, right? Recruits were going into Ole Miss, which is pretty much known for its tailgating and just being in the middle of a bunch of trees, but there's really nothing out there. So you'd have these random guys visit that are five stars and be like, man, I love Ole Miss and just give them the, these raving reviews. And then obviously later we found out that was due to the prostitutes they were hiring for these recruits. So, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks that, hey, we caught you guys doing something you're not supposed to do, and you're prostituting out women to pretty much not even 18-year-olds in some cases, yet we're going to give them a slap on the wrist and be like, uh, you guys can't go to bowl games and we'll take away some scholarships, but yeah, yeah, all right. Just you know, in a couple of years, don't do that again. So from that perspective, it bothers me. From you know, they're they're a challenging team to play. So I, I think overall, as a football team, they make the conference better because I think any team that's playing these Mississippi schools, you're you're looking to beat the state of Mississippi. So you're trying to get two wins, and uh, it's one of the harder things to do in the SEC is to beat both Ole Miss and Mississippi State every year. All right, speaking of that, do let's go ahead and t- take on the team with the Cowbells, Mississippi State. So, Artem, we had a tough time with a couple of these teams. Mississippi State was one of them. We were trying to decide if we wanted to put them in the Tier 2 or the Tier 3, but we ended up deciding that because of who else is in the Western Division, they ended up in the Tier 3. Do you agree with that decision? Yeah, they lose a lot of guys. From last year's defense, uh, it was also kind of the the Kentucky, uh, lots of seniors on defense. The guys that are seniors on their defense now were either backups or transfer guys they got. And, you know, I know it's a market where there's a lot of people transferring back from schools back and forth. Uh, But if if a guy is transferring from somewhere else because he's not getting playing time and he comes in and he's a starter on your team, which I see a lot on the depth chart for Mississippi State, to me that means you didn't develop your two deep really well because in that case, right, if it's just like one guy, like uh, last year I believe it was Texas had a problem at running back, so they got in a guy, uh, I think his last name was Watson, and he came in as a – graduate transfer and started for them. That was their gap. They didn't have any other transfers starting in the other 20, 21 spots. But I look at, you know, Mississippi State, they have 
shoot three or four transfers just on defense. So that shows that, you know, the, the guys that they had playing last year, the really, really good defense they had, what is it, 13 points per game they held people to? Um, that was kind of their why they were winning games. And even in that case, I think they were struggling to get more than 14 points to beat these teams that they were keeping the 13 points to. So I think one of the games they lost 13-0. to zero. I would say they're going to go with their – where their offense goes kind of like last season. Uh, these transfers hopefully, you know, shore up some gaps, but they're not going to be as a stout as defense as they were last year. So their offense is going to have to step it up a little bit. They lost a quarterback. So, uh, you know, Thompson's going to be filling in there. They got a, a couple other guys uh, transferring a freshman. It'll just depend where those guys take them. Um, they're going to have to prove themselves quite a bit, which is not a, a recipe for success, I would say. But they do have an easy start to their season. So um, if they get rolling, get those guys some experience, uh, they can do some good. problem is they still have some juniors in their 2D, which is not a championship caliber. And really, you know, if a senior or starter goes down, they're going to be in trouble. Well, I will say that keep in mind, even though transfers are not the ideal situation, we have seen transfers work at programs such as Kansas State. Uh, where they they bring in the transfers uh, or the uh, junior college students because those are what works for them. So hopefully, uh, and they're not as talented as recruiting as some of the other teams in their conference or division. So maybe that'll be the stopgap. Andrew, what do you think of the transfer situation at uh, Mississippi State? I didn't realize they had lost that many guys to transfer. I know the one big transfer they got they got coming in is Tommy Stevens, the Forder, former Penn State package plays when Joe Moorhead was the OC there, and it's 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 going to be exciting between him and KT and Thompson to see who replaces Nick Fitzgerald. I think that was the big thing to me is they never really got past just using Fitzgerald as a battering ram. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of open up the offense, given they have some wide receivers back, the running backs back, three offensive linemen are coming back. So it'll be interesting to see what Joe Moorhead is able to do to try to really open that offense up a little bit more and not as much rely on, you know, the legs and the the bashing of of Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, The defense, on the other hand, is – and for defense, it was number one in the conference across the board in all big statistical categories. Number two in scoring defense nationally with only 13.2 points a game. But Simmons is gone. Sweat is gone. So they're retooling that defensive line. The entire secondary is gone. So that's really going to be your questions is, are these guys able to step up? I really like the defensive coordinator, Bob Shoup. He's one that I've always had a lot of respect for when he was at Vanderbilt, when he was at Penn State. Kind of rough at Tennessee, but really kind of got them back on track last year. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do without the the threats of Simmons and Sweat on the defensive line. You know, their schedule, they get Kentucky, which is great. And they get Tennessee, which again, I think those are two pretty winnable games in my mind. But are they gonna are they in a place to compete for the division? No. Are they a place where they could win? eight, nine, even maybe ten games, go to a good bowl game? Absolutely. You know, and, and But it's really good, and it's going to rely on the offense this year as opposed to a team that really hung its hat on its defense last year. So it sounds like you don't agree with our placing them in the Tier 3 uh, like we did. I, 
mean, to me, <laughs> to me, everyone in the West that's not Alabama is kind of in their own tier. I mean, you could argue maybe LSU, A&M are a little bit of a step above the rest of them, but the rest of them are, you know, just kind of a draw a name out of a hat sometimes to see who's going to have the random eight-win season. Okay, well, Tommy, uh, we're talking about Mississippi State here. We know their fan base is loud and crazy. Uh are we looking at a situation where they might have to relax a bit and set their expectations back for a rebuild uh, like Artem seems to be predicting? Or are we looking at a situation where they could easily win, be the tie break here? Are, are we siding with Andrew with them potentially being on the verge of 10 wins? Or are we siding with Artem? Um, I, I kind of actually fall in between the two of them. There's no way they get 10 wins because there's no way that they're going to beat LSU. There's no way they're going to win at A&M. Uh, there's no way they're going to beat Alabama. So, I mean, there's three right off the top that puts them at nine wins uh, if everything else goes perfectly. I, I think Mississippi State has so many question marks around them. And like Andrew said, their offense has been – so one-dimensional is like let's ram the quarterback up the middle as many times as possible and tommy stevens actually kind of fits what they're trying to do there um and at the very least should be able to push keaton thompson into that but if they don't uh build in some more dynamics to their offense and then replace everything they lost on defense we can learn pretty quickly i think by week four after the kansas state game and the kentucky game we'll know what type of Mississippi State team is, but I could see them starting out four and zero, potentially even five and zero, upsetting Auburn in some craziness. Mostly because we don't know what type of Auburn team we're going to see either. But I could also see them starting zero and five with the or two and three in the beginning because they're probably not going to lose to Southern Miss or Lafayette. But the, those Kansas State and Kentucky game week three, week four, we'll learn a lot about this team very quickly. So there's your non-answer. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, I really appreciate you putting us back in the tier two category. So we got, um, but thanks for for supporting that. Speaking though of uh, another team you brought up, Kentucky. So this should be a pretty quick one in my mind, unless somebody wants to point out something I'm not aware of. Kentucky's taken some huge steps back this year with a lot of loss of talent um, from the team in general. Not to mention the fact that other teams in the East are definitely going to be stepping up. We're looking at a potential whipping boy situation here. One of those teams where we don't want to say they're bad, but somebody has to lose all those games. So, uh, Tommy, I'll start with you. Uh, What do you have to say on Kentucky? Um, So, on defense, I think if you look at their starters, um, they're returning seven of their front eight guys. Um, including um, their like big defensive tackle and Calvin Taylor Jr. Uh, and their their middle linebacker. So on defense, I think they they actually have a chance at doing um, pretty good on that side. On offense, um, I think they lost just about everybody as far as like running backs. They're all American offensive guards. Um, and then they lost their whole secondary. So, I mean, I, I think their run defense is still there. Uh, I, I think they have some talent to step in on defense in the secondary. Um, but 
there's no way they get 10 wins again. So um, I think if you look at the, the FPI has them at six and a half and the S&P Plus has them at six wins, when you go back to the schedule, uh, I, I think that makes sense. I think in the, the first five games, they'll probably get three to four of those wins right out the gate. And then they still have Arkansas, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, UT Martin, and Louisville left on the schedule. So um, the schedule lines up pretty favorably for them um, in the sense of, you know, they've got Georgia, but every other game, you know, you flip a coin, they have a chance at winning. Um, we don't know what type of Florida team we're going to see or what type of Mississippi State team that we talked about before. Um, so they have a shot at, at making a run at a ball, but I, I think six to seven wins is probably pretty fair for them. Okay. Um, I mean, that's right where the S&P puts them, so I wouldn't be shocked. Andrew, what do you have to say about Kentucky? They feel a lot like Mississippi State to me, really. A team that was carried by a defense last year and an offense that all they wanted to do was run the ball down your throat. Issue is, Benny Snell's gone. So your big weapon on an offense that was pretty one-dimensional and not great is gone. You know, Terry Wilson, the quarterback's back, but it's a, a lot of new faces around him. The defense with losing Josh Allen, obviously, that's going to be huge. I mean, he was a top five pick. I mean, National Defensive Player of the Year last year. That's that's not a hole that you just kind of immediately fill up. Uh, the defense does have some starters back, so they do have experience. But like Tommy said, the entire secondary is gone, and that's going to be kind of a rough place. Uh, the the schedule the non conference is extremely winnable. Uh, they also play Arkansas, so again that'll be kind of a fun matchup between teams we don't think are going to be very good. But yeah, I mean they're not beating Georgia. I don't think they're going to beat Florida this year because we all expect Florida to be better. I don't think they're going to beat Mississippi State at Mississippi State. We all think Missouri is going to be better. We all think Tennessee is going to be better. Uh, I think I think a successful season for them is to to make a bowl game. I think if you can have a back-to-back bowl seasons at a place like Kentucky, playing the teams that Kentucky does, that'll really kind of set you up. And and to me, that'd be an incredible coaching job by Mark Stoops to to be able to get back to a bowl game replacing everything that they lost off of last year's team. He might even win a watch. Who knows? Uh, for all those who are Bear Bryant historians. Um, Artem. I, I know there's not a lot to add to this. Uh, it sounds like we've pretty much covered anything, everything, but what are your thoughts on Kentucky? We've talked about how the run defense kind of returns, but do we expect them to actually be able to stop any of the big run-heavy offenses in the East? I'm more worried about their quarterback, Terry Wilson. Uh, the reason Benny Snell wasn't better towards the end of the season last year is because everybody figured out that he was a weapon and they stacked the box against him, so... Hopefully that dude figured out how to throw some you know, corner routes or some deep balls uh, in the offseason because that was his big problem. When people stabbed the box. He, you know, he couldn't connect well on throws. So I think they're going to go where, where Terry Wilson goes. And uh, if he learned to throw a little more accurately, a little better, and add a little more to his arsenal, uh, they'll be all right because their schedule, like Andrew said, uh, isn't too bad actually. Fair enough. Well, now let's talk about a team that's the exact opposite, uh, South Carolina. This is a team I don't actually think is too bad going into the year, but they have probably the toughest schedule in all of college football uh, with tough crossover games, especially against Alabama. 
Artem, I'll start you off. I mean, it's it's hard to say because, again, we don't think they're really going to be a bad team, but they just have such a hard schedule. Can we expect to see South Carolina make a bowl game? No, I don't think so. I think Jake Bentley isn't is looking, you know, in his senior season to overcome the last two years of error prone throws after almost, you know, the coming of Jesus from his freshman year. He was a kid who graduated almost about a year earlier or something crazy. Um, coach's kid, uh, really impressed in his first couple games. Uh, when he was able to play, I think he got, he replaced the starter halfway through the season because he was doing so well in practice. And, you know, he, he's been kind of a letdown last couple years. So this is a real chance to prove something. Um, I'm not doubting him. I'm doubting his offensive line that looks like has only one junior um, on that line. And everybody else, you got three guys that have less than two years in a college program. So that's what worries me. Uh, last year, a lot of his mistakes came from a lot of pressure in his face, and he threw interceptions. Um, some of those resu- resulted in pick sixes. So uh, although their defense is, um, you know, Will Muschamp is essentially the defensive coordinator and head coach uh, in a way, and uh, their their defense is going to be pretty experienced, but I don't think the offense is going to be able to keep up with teams. So later in the season, that defense is going to feel like it's played one or two more games than other teams that they're playing against, and uh, it's going to be kind of rough to live up to that schedule. Um win more games than they should. I would almost say it's going to be a barely bowl game season for them. Okay, well, Tommy, do you agree with Artem as far as uh, South Carolina goes? That schedule sucks. So, so yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be a slog for them. Well, at least you're straight to the point. Andrew, do you got, you got any disagreements on that with Tommy? Not really. This is this is an interesting kind of a not quite a make or break year for Will Muschamp. You know, he's twenty two and seventeen in three years, so he is winning more games than he's losing. But uh, South Carolina is just in a rough place. You know, the the two teams closest to them are Georgia and Clemson, which you know Clemson's your defending national champion, and Georgia's looking like they'll probably win one in the next couple of years. So South Carolina's just kind of – it got a slow rebuild and slow build. And, you know, they recently opened a $50 million. Uh, You know, they're going to put money into the program. South Carolina fans are going to show up. They've always shown up even when the team was horrible. But I just – that schedule's awful. You know, they uh, hypothetically, they could win one or two games this year. Because I don't, I don't think North Carolina is a gimme win. I don't think Appalachian State's a gimme win. I think Charleston Southern is really the only game on their schedule that I absolutely think they can sleepwalk through and win. Yeah, they, they end at Clemson. Are they end against Clemson? They played at Georgia and Florida back to back. God, you know, a, a bowl game would be a success. I just I don't see it. And Artem kind of hit on it. You know, Jake Bentley, the lights got to come on. He's he's been the same guy and doesn't seem like he's gotten any better the past two years. So he's one in 10 in his career against ranked teams. I mean, he's, he's got to get better and he doesn't have a lot of weapons coming back. Debo Samuel's gone. Yeah. You know, Rico Dowdell, the running backs back. They've got some other wideouts coming back, but they weren't great offensively last year. They couldn't run the ball. The defense was pretty subpar for a must champ defense. I mean, they were in the lower half of the, the conference in most of their statistical numbers and they lost a couple of guys. So to, 
I don't know, man. I think South Carolina is just in for a rough year. The schedule's awful. The team's decent, but not, you know, they're not going to make any noise in the division. And as we think other parts of the division are getting better, I think, you know, six and six, seven and five may be the ceiling for them this year. Yeah, and it's always tough to tell when you can flip the when you get those coin flip games. So uh, here's hoping they make a bowl game, but we'll f- we'll find out as it goes. Speaking of coin flip games, uh, <laughs> Auburn is the bottom team of our tier two list because you never know what you're going to get with Auburn. Um, we have talked about this at length in previous podcasts, but uh, it's very hard to pin down exactly what Auburn is going to do at the at the start of the year, it really just has to develop on the field before you can even figure out what's going to happen. And even then it's hard to tell. So Andrew, you get the glorious job of starting us off with Auburn. What, what are your thoughts going into the year for them? I think you kind of hit the, hit the nail on the head. We never know what the hell we're going to get from Auburn. You know, they're a team that you're like, you expect them to be great. And they tank. You expect them to tank, and they win a national title. Like Auburn's just got some of the weirdest mojo. Like, and it's crazy because you know Gus Malzahn is fifty three and twenty seven in six years at Auburn. Like he wins significantly more than he loses at Auburn, and they were ready to fire him last year. Like, it's just crazy. He's got to find a new quarterback this year. It's probably looking like it might be true freshman Bo Nix. You know, a five-star recruit, you know, whose dad played at Auburn. So he may be a guy that, that gets that chance. He rolled early in the spring. They've got to find a new running back. All of the offensive linemen are back, which is really helpful. The wide receivers still need a little work. You know, not a lot of depth coming back there. Decent amount on defense. Their entire secondary returns from a defense that was pretty good. You know, again, they were really good forcing turnovers. So how good were they really? But, you know, the schedule doesn't start off easy. They play Oregon to open the year, which I think Oregon's going to be really, really good this year. Um, You know, Kent State, Tulane are winnable. They get Florida and Georgia as their crossovers, which are, in my mind, the top two teams in that division. So, you know, this could be one of those Auburn wins four game years and Malzahn gets fired or Auburn surprises the hell out of everyone and wins 10 games and Malzahn doesn't get fired. But I, I can't pick Auburn. I hate picking Auburn. I refuse to pick anything about Auburn because you never really know what the hell's going to happen. All right. Well, with that in mind, Artem, do you think you can elucidate us a little better than what uh, Andrew's given us? I think Andrews mentioned it in previous podcasts, right? Uh, Auburn's offense with Gus Malzahn is uh, very simple. On the they line up in the same sets, but then they have like twenty something plays they run out of the same formation. Uh, you know, when you look at their two deep, like once again, uh, something Andrews started talking about this podcast is uh, Bo Nix, a true freshman, is going to be the one that's kind of leading them. Is in the key thing is they don't really know if it's going to be him, right? Uh, in the past, when I've watched Auburn, uh, when they didn't know who their key guy was um, after fall camp going in, like for sure, uh, they were in a constant, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll sub them in and out throughout the game. Uh, we'll figure out who the starter is during the year. And that has never been a success story for them. 
Um, in the last uh, two years, they somehow managed to lose every single running back they had, uh, lose or injure. So now you got question marks at the quarterback position and at the running back position. And honestly, for a team like Auburn and the multiple offense system like that, you need a quarterback who's been in the system before, who can run the run the offense. And that's going to be tough with your two skill guys um, not being there. I'm pretty sure they lost a couple of wide receivers too because I see a bunch of freshmen or sophomores on their depth chart. And I know they had a couple of juniors and seniors. So it's just going to be tough. Um they're definitely uh, offense first team, and they're going to have to rely on their defense this year. And uh, with, with what Andrew said, playing Florida and Georgia as a crossover, uh, that's not a, a recipe for success there. Well, I mean, with that in mind, we Auburn's always a scary team to play. Coming from an Alabama fan, uh, Tommy, as it comes as the question comes to you, let me uh, just ask about the key matchups. Do we see Auburn making any big upsets against a team like? Alabama or Georgia? Please tell me they beat Georgia. Um, there. I mean, if there's anyone who's gonna beat Alabama, it's Auburn, and it's like always Auburn, just because that game is nuts and it doesn't make sense on the paper or anything. I think I think if Auburn beats Oregon week uh, in week one, they're gonna uh, get eight wins. If they lose, they'll get seven. Uh, and I think the reason – I don't think the quarterback's as big of an issue unless, you know, all three of those guys end up turning out to be complete trash. You know, they, they bring back 64 of the 65 starters uh, on the offensive line. They're all back. They've got five seniors that they can rotate in up there. And if you know anything about Malzahn and the way he runs his offense, having an offensive line that knows exactly what he wants to do and how to execute on that is going to help cover a lot of the, the rookie – are uh, quarterbacks in that system on, on the defensive side? Auburn's always got a good defense in the sense that you know they they may struggle, but they always seem to find turnovers when they need it. Um, for some reason, they're one of the few teams that I think if you go back and look at the numbers, they always outperform uh, in the number of turnovers that that should be expected. And uh, I don't know how they do it. It's probably just that voodoo magic that we can't figure out. But. Um, Seven, eight wins, all depends on that Oregon win in the beginning. I'm not going to say which games are which because they could lose to Tulane and beat Georgia and nobody knows why. Um, but I, I think that's about where they're going to land this year. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I don't have a good transition. Tommy, just tell us about Tennessee. Um, I I. I wish I'm still laughing over Auburn. T- Tommy, just tell us about Tennessee. Uh, so Tennessee, uh, we expect them to to take a an improvement this year. Um, last year, five and seven, just missed out on a bowl game. Um, ESPN has them at seven and a half ish wins. S and P Plus has them at six and a half. Usually, when there's about a full point or a full win discrepancy between those two. I'm going to err on the S&P Plus just because ESPN is um, probably trying to sell more viewership in that uh, point. But, um, you know, you're looking at six to seven wins from them. Um, 
they start off the season with Georgia State, BYU, and Chattanooga before they get into their SEC schedule, and they've got UAB on there as well. So I think you've got four wins on there. I don't expect BYU to, to really challenge them too much. Um, and then they still have the usual suspects in the East. So I think that's a pretty fair point for them. They do draw Alabama uh, from the West, which is going to be pretty tough. Um, but overall, I mean, if you look forward, you know, six to seven wins out of them, that's that's probably a successful season for them. Um, anything less, I would probably can. They don't make a bowl game. I would consider it a failure. If they make eight or nine wins. That's a super successful season, but I don't see them being able to pull that off. All right, Artem, uh, he makes a fair point. They do draw Alabama every year, and they've got some tough competition. Uh, no one wants to see Tennessee get back up on top like they were in the 90s. I don't think people are a big fan of that idea. Uh, I think people would rather have UF do it than Tennessee. So uh, with that in mind, are, is Tennessee going to have a target on their back coming into this year with all the talk about them finally having a potential, uh, potentially SEC East challenging team? I don't think so. I think it's going to be rough for them to be a, you know, a challenger with both Florida and Georgia on their schedule. And those are back-to-back games within their division. And then they got Mississippi State and Bama right after that. That's a rough four-week stretch. I'll, I'll say however that four-week stretch goes is how their season's going to go. If they come out of that 3-1, and one, they're going to have an amazing season. But honestly, it, I could just as easily see them go 0-3, oh uh, well, 0-4 oh in that stretch. So, uh, And they do have their quarterback back with Guarantano. So hopefully that dude learned something last year. Um, he did look better as the season went on. And, it, you know, it's year two. It's honestly harder to do hard to do worse than they did last season, which they went five and seven. So if they make a bowl game this year, they're technically making a step forward. Uh, however hard of a pill that is to swallow for the Tennessee Volunteer fans, you know, they can at least look at it. All right, we do play Alabama every year, like you said. Um, last year we didn't make a bowl game. This year we did make a bowl game, and they can kind of – use that as a building block. So that's the good thing. They they can't it's very hard to go down from where they are. Okay. Andrew, what do you got to add about uh, the Tennessee Volunteers this year? I think the offense is going to be a lot better. Guarantano goes into another year as a starter. They get most of their wide receivers back. Their running backs back. The big change there was going to be on the offensive line. The the schedule lightens up a little bit from last year, at least, you know, they don't play West Virginia like they did last year. The crossovers with Mississippi State and Alabama are going to be tough, but I think that there's enough there that they're going to take some steps in the right direction. Are they going to compete for the East? I don't think so. Again, I think that's Georgia and Florida. Um, but I think there's enough there. Uh, again, I, I think it's a bowl game. You know, if, if Pruitt can show growth, you know, go from five wins to seven wins, I think that'll help him out. You know, they recruited pretty well last year. And again, the the talent should be there on offense. They, they've got a lot of guys coming back. Jim Chaney's the offensive coordinator, who's kind of a more of an old school pro style type guy. He showed a little bit more when he was at Georgia, but offense is really where they've got to get better and they've got talent coming back. So I think there's a chance where that offense will be able to kind of carry them 
you know, I don't think they beat Georgia. Only they, you know, they may they may end up being three and four going into the South Carolina game, but all of the la- all you know the entire five last games on their schedule are all winnable games. So, you know, I, I expect a bowl game from the Volunteers, and I think the the fans just they they just got to be a little patient. All right, I've been notified that that uh, we've got to cover TAMU right now. So, Artem, I'm going to go ahead and kick it off to you. We've already kind of talked about Texas A&M. They've got some really good prospects this year, and uh, but you're saying you've told us in your personal coverage of the team that uh, the expectations are not to win the West, at least not this year. So, Artem, why don't you tell us a little bit more uh, about what people might not know about Texas A&M and their personal expectations from the fans. Yeah, I think for the second year in a row, we've managed to push our first season game up to, to what, two to three days to give us an extra couple of days to get ready for Clemson the week after. Uh, that sure helped last last year um, when we only lost by two points and there was a lot of fun, controversial calls. This year we played them at their house. Um, it's going to be tough. Um, so it, I would say it depends on how the team recovers from that Clemson game. Uh, if we lose, um, you know, how do we how do we handle that? Do we come out and what is it, Lamar that we play next? How do we play against Lamar and then Auburn, Arkansas, and go through the rest of the SEC grind? We do play Georgia as a crossover, and then uh, we play South Carolina every year. So schedule gets a little bit tougher this year. That's pretty much why I mentioned I don't think anybody expects, expects us to, uh, you know, challenge for the title at all this year. Just because we do play Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, uh, those are going to be tough games. So um, how we handle some of the losses that we get there and how many of those we win will pretty much take our season where we need to go. I would say what the fans are looking for is uh, winning at home. Um, that's been a key um, key component so far. Uh, and you know, three of those four games that I mentioned are away. So. Um, as long as we win those home games and keep that streak going, I think it's going to be a step forward. One of the criticisms under Sumlin was that he couldn't win SEC games at home. Um, that changed last year uh, in the sense that um, we we played hard, we played well, and at least challenged. Uh, I think there was a loss or two. Um, one of them was to Clemson. But um, we went to overtime, and we won two games last year um, at home against tough teams. So uh, that's what the fans are looking for. Uh, the fans are also looking to Kellen Mond, who's in his third year, having been under Sumlin, having a full year of Jimbo's offense now to come back and have that experience and ha- make those calls. Um, we did lose uh, the Travion Williams as a starting running back and uh, our tight end, but all of the wide receivers are back, and honestly, Jimbo loads up the, the running back stable. So even with a guy out for the rest of the season during offseason uh, due to a neck injury, you know, there there's still a lot of hope uh, around the the running back. Uh, what do you call it? Room, um, and it's going to be a fun year to watch again. Like I said, uh, they looked way different playing under Jimbo than they did in the last uh, five or six years before that. Um, it's going to be a fun season. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of information to take in. I think, but uh, Tommy, what what else are you seeing out of Texas A and M this year? If we're not challenging Bama, are we expecting them to win pretty much every other game coming out of the West? 
No, I don't think so. And I think the the biggest key is when you look at the defense and all the the players that they're replacing there. Um, you know, they they lost three of their top four linemen. They two starting linebackers. Both their safeties are gone. Um, you know, they they still have uh, their three key cornerbacks are back, um, and then they've got a couple guys that are going to start plugging in. Um, that'll be. Uh, good contributors pretty early, but I, I don't think this is the year for them. Um, if you just look at them in a vacuum, but like Artem said, when you look at the schedule and they have to play Alabama, they have to play at Clemson in week two at Georgia and at LSU back to back to end the season. I mean, that that's just a recipe for failure for any team. As far as if, if you're looking at um, winning a title or bust as, or even winning the West, that's, that's just a brutal schedule uh, to have to go through. Next year, uh, the nice thing for them is that they are replacing the Clemson and Georgia game with Colorado and Vandy. So uh, with the rebuild on the defensive side and the the players that they're going to be able to get um, exposure to a lot of these big games, uh, they definitely are looking to next year to be a, a real contender in the West. Um, and potentially even some more if they can – really find the the key holes that they're they're trying to plug there uh, i think an eight win season is a success that's either winning all of the games that are not those four that we mentioned or if they you know drop a game against somebody else and pick up a win at clemson georgia lsu or against alabama then they're um uh that'd be a pretty successful season so I'd say if they if they win one of one of those four games, a seven win season is fine. Um, if they don't, then they need to get eight wins to really consider this season a success with all the talent that they have available. And especially since two of those games are late in the schedule, and um, they shouldn't have their team really uh, beat up too bad. All right. Well, that's a <laughs> that's a different take on it than what Artem's got, but I can understand it coming from a non fan. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Tommy, for that. And, uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts going on Texas A&M? I think it's one of those situations where the team this year will be better than they were last year, but the record might not reflect it because the schedule is so daunting. I also think Tommy really hit on it where this is a 2020 team. From what I'm looking at, they don't have a single senior on offense in the starting lineup, and it looks like the, the defense doesn't either. I mean, this looks like it's still a very young team. So it'll be really fascinating next year if they do take that step to compete. But I definitely think it's an eight-win team. Uh, in my mind, Kellen Mond's the third-best quarterback in the in the conference. You know, you've got the, the tug of Iloa, Jake Fromm at the top, and then you step down and Mond's that next guy. And they've got a ton coming back offensively, four offensive linemen, two wide receivers. They've got a blue-chip tight end recruit coming in. You know, Artem kind of touched on the running back being a question. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys defensively that you lost as starters, so that'll kind of be where you have to fill the holes. From a defense that was okay last year, you know, eighth in the conference in scoring defense, 12th against the pass. I think that's somewhere where they might want to, you know, hopefully they can run into maybe some more pass rush or just something to kind of help out with that. They do get three starters back in the secondary, so that'll be really kind of interesting. But again, I, I think it's an A-win team, but I think it's a team that's going to be very good and sets up extremely well for 2020. 
So it sounds like we're really looking forward to seeing them, <laughs> not this year, but next year. But Yeah, uh, I, I think they're a team that's a year away. Uh, it does speak volumes uh, that uh, we're looking at Texas A&M possibly coming out of the West with all the other teams that are stacked up over there. Speaking of, we got one other team uh, in our Tier 2 that's coming out of the West, LSU. So... Are y'all going to get in an argument about LSU and the history and yada yada this time, Andrew? No, I think we're good. Okay. Well, in that case, would you like to tell us more about how how Ed Orgeron is going to uh, run things down at LSU this year? Because if we ask him, we're not going to be able to understand the damn thing that he says. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. He's 25 and 9. In his two years, he won 10 games last year. Like, LSU's crazy sometimes about coaches. Uh, I think they're going to be really, really good. I think they're going to be better this year than they were next year. Seven starters back offensively, including Joe Burrow, who really, you know, kind of stepped into a strange place, but played really well for them last year. Most of their offensive weapons come back. All four of their top receiving leaders come back. Three out of the four top running backs come back. Four out of five offensive linemen. You add to that that they're getting eight starters back defensively. Yes, Devin White and Greedy Williams are huge losses. You know, anytime you lose first round picks, they're they're always going to be tough to to. I mean, their their top returning sack player is Grant Delpit, who's a safety, which just shows kind of how aggressively they play defensively. They have, in my mind, one of the best defensive coordinators in the nation, and Dave Aranda. Uh, I mean, the guy's just unbelievable at what he does. You know, they. They were first in the SEC, seventh nationally in turnovers at plus 12 in their turnover margin. You know, the defense was was pretty good, seventh in the conference in scoring, 26th nationally. I I mean, that kind of shows you how good the scoring defenses were in the SEC. So it'll be really kind of fascinating to see what happens. He brought in an NFL guy as the passing game coordinator and actually a guy from the Saints. So it'll be really interesting to see what, if he finally – allows them to open up that offense just a little bit. Their crossover games, I'm looking at Florida and Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt should be a winnable game. The Florida one I think will be an interesting kind of measuring stick, as will week two at Texas. I think that'll be a fun measuring stick for who they who they are and as well as who Texas is. But I mean to me they're gonna be the biggest challenge to Alabama if Alabama's going to have a challenger this year. LSU plays at Alabama this year so again that's that's a, a tall thing to step into but yeah i think i think this is a really really good team and i think that this is kind of their chance with the amount of seniors they've got on defense and on offense you know this is kind of their if we're going to take a shot you know alabama looked human against clemson so this is kind of their hey we got a shot let's see if we can take it uh man don't scare me like that Oh, but you did bring up an interesting matchup that I'm sure Artem is going to despise watching, uh, te- Texas LSU. I mean, that's uh, that's probably not your favorite one, but I know Andrew's going to be there. We're going to try to be there. Uh, <laughs> Artem, what, what are your thoughts going in with LSU this year? You're obviously a little – got probably some mixed emotions coming into – coming thinking about how they're going to compare to the rest of the West. Uh, I'm excited for that week two douchebag bowl. Uh, both personalities matching perfectly, Texas and LSU. 
Um, but I'm also excited about having to play LSU after they go through the gauntlet of Florida, Mississippi State, Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, and then Arkansas. Those those two uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas games kind of look, um, I would say, not as uh, important as they are. But I think later in those points of the season, Ole Miss and Arkansas get some stuff figured out, and they're either going to be really bad or they're going to be contending uh, with LSU at that point. So um, I think our schedule looks a little bit easier uh, before our game against them than theirs does, um, which is exciting for me. And uh, the other thing is, you know, if, if LSU does turn out to be as good, because um, they do look like they have a chance this year, um, even if their one loss coming into the game is against Alabama and A&M is like an 8-9 win team, that that makes that game that much more important for us uh, as opposed to just going into, you know, uh, Death Valley to, to play them at home. We might be playing a, a contender for a title, um, which is a really fun environment and kind of fun atmosphere for a game when you can spoil something like that for somebody uh, and make a statement yourself. I do think uh, they look good. They returned a lot of guys. I think um, their key is going to be Joe Burrow. He's, you know, stabilized their quarterback situation that they couldn't figure out for – I don't know, four or five, maybe more years before that. I remember the, you know, really defensive games with Alabama when neither of them had quarterbacks who could do anything against each other and the defenses were battling it out. Well, I think LSU's just come out of that with Joe Burrow, but the dude's taken a lot of hits. Um, you know, I honestly thought he had a concussion against um, UCF when he got knocked, uh, hit pretty hard. Probably shouldn't have gone back in, but uh, that dude's going to need to protect himself this year uh, for them to be able to make that title run. I like how you're low-key just saying that, oh, yeah, we're going to beat LSU this year. Don't worry about it. I mean. I'm just saying it's going to be an exciting game. Sure. I didn't say we're going to beat them, but we might. Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's go with that. All right. <laughs> one last team in our Tier 2 list. Uh, I don't have a good transition for this one. Artem, uh, F- Florida is looking to challenge Georgia in the East. I don't think a lot of people have them – uh, on the same level, I mean, we already established that clearly we don't, but uh, they are a dark horse that a lot of people are kind of looking at as being uh, a potential challenger. What about them makes uh, for a tempting, challenging team coming out of the East? Well, Dan Mullen has always had a really exciting offense, and you know Mississippi State, I think, is at a level that they're at thanks to him primarily. They're getting a ton of guys back on both sides of the ball. Uh, Felipe Franks is a very talented dude who's very tall, and uh, I think the reason they didn't do better last year was because they didn't do the stupid thing that Mississippi State did uh, with their guy and you know have him run as much as he did. He was pretty much a pocket passer and forced to figure out that offense. And you know, with everybody back uh, and Dan Mullen being the creative offensive guy that he is, and getting a bunch of talented guys over there. Uh, generally, you know, Florida is, in, in at least in my opinion, a DBU, um, them and LSU, and they they always have a lot of talented guys, so they'll be able to stop the pass. It'll just depend on uh, Felipe Franks if he can throw the ball, and he showed he could last year, so he'll be looking pretty comfortable in that offense. Um, got a lot of guys that he's comfortable with, both wide receivers back, uh, Jefferson and Cleveland, uh, as well as Michael Michael Pirine. Um, you know, it's going to be an exciting year for them. Um, it, it, they're going to be a fun team to watch, mostly because Texas a doesn't have to play them. 
Uh, as far as their schedule, you know, starting out against Miami, that's going to be a fun game to watch in the beginning. Uh, get a couple easier teams, and then uh, they close out against uh, uh, Florida State. <laughs> we'll see how those guys are going to be at the end of the season. Their schedule doesn't look too bad, honestly. Uh, Georgia is probably the best team they'll play all year. Um, Georgia and LSU. And uh, depending on how those two games go, Florida is going to go. And, you know, at the end of the year, we could be looking back at that, you know, right before the Florida State game and saying, okay, if they win this one, they have the tiebreaker against Georgia. So I think it's going to be a good step forward for them with Felipe Franks back and Dan Mullen, both those guys together for their second year in a row. And, you know, Dan Mullen's a quarterback guy. So uh, it's going to be fun watching that relationship grow and Florida becoming another um, offensive team with a good defense. And then, uh, Andrew, <laughs> what – I mean, UF is – I'm going to edit that out. Andrew, tell us about UF. I think they're pretty good. I don't think they're ready to compete with Georgia just yet. You know, you got to let Mullen – it was really fascinating. Artem kind of hit on it. What Mullen was able to do – at a place like Mississippi State, with not as much history, with not as much support, with not as much financial funding, and now that he's at a big program like Florida, and what he's going to be able to do to really, you know, show how much, how great of a coach he really is. You know, Franks is back, which is good. Their biggest replacement on offense is going to be on the offensive line. They lost a ton of guys there, so you're really going to hope that some of the guys are going to be able to step in. And you know, John Hevesy, the offensive line coach, is a pretty well-respected guy in in the business so that'll be really where the growth has to happen for them to get better they play miami this year which is always a fun game that i don't think is played enough you know the three-way florida rivalry i think miami and florida should play every year too but it's tough to do with schedules and stuff you know they have to go to lsu and they play auburn in their crossover so that'll be kind of a tough for them you know they won 10 games last year if they can if they can do that again this year, obviously that'll help show that they're on the right track, you know, nine to 10 wins. The concern is if they, if they drop, you know, if they don't beat Kentucky this year after losing for the first time in, was it Logan, 20 something years, Florida had beaten Kentucky in a row. Well, they finally broke that streak last year. That's what I was saying is, is, you know, they, they kind of need to start the new streak, but yeah, so uh, uh, I just, it was a uh, 30, it was 33. Ah, uh, so I think they'll take a step in forward and head in the right direction. They're not there to beat or compete with Georgia, but I still think they're better than everyone else in the division. All righty. Well, now is the time where we talk about the team that we don't want to talk about, Georgia. So Georgia is, is our first Tier 1 team. Uh, the only reason... Oh, you're right. Fuck, we forgot Mizzou. Okay, I'm editing this out again. All right. <laughs> watch, watch me not edit this out. All right. Uh, really quick. Andrew, talk about Mizzou. They got a quarterback is what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, they've got weapons on offense. Larry Roundtree the third, the running back, the tight end, Big Al, because I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name is a pretty good player. They've got some wide receivers back. They've got some offensive line players back. You know, the, the team was pretty good offensively last year, so it'll be interesting to see as, as Kelly Bryant steps into that. The defense has six starters back from a defense that was kind of middle of the road, so that's somewhere where they've got to 
kind of step up and get better. Their crossovers are Ole Miss and Arkansas, which I think are both winnable games. They play West Virginia week two, which I think will be a really kind of fun, fascinating game to see what happens. They have to travel to Georgia, so I don't really think that win happens. Um, I, I could see them taking a step, winning nine, maybe ten games. But, you know, another another eight to nine win season in a bowl game would, would be pretty good given some of the, uh, the holes that they had to dig this team out of. Oh, no, wait, they're banned from the postseason. They can't make a bowl game this year. Yeah, which is kind of why why we kind of <laughs> forgot about them. <laughs> so I think they could actually be the spoiler and kind of fuck with a lot of other teams by, you know, winning eight or nine games and being like, ah, suck on this. It would be fun. It'd be funny if they ruined Georgia's season by like just beating the crap out of them. Uh, Artem, really quick, do you got any thoughts on Mizzou? I don't see Kelly Bryant making it to the end of the season, honestly. Uh, their their offense pretty much ran with Jalen Knox last season, and it's uh, depending on how Drew how many times Drew Locke threw to him. Jalen Knox, you know, put a bunch of numbers up in very unexpected places as a true freshman. So that relationship between Kelly Bryant and Jalen Knox is going to be big. Uh, running back coming back, that's awesome. Tight end, probably first team or all ACC, at least in my opinion. So. Depending on how Kelly Bryant's able to throw, uh, that team will go. And I, I don't think he'll do that well, which is probably why he transferred out of Clemson in the first place. So uh, I think he's going to end up running a lot. And in the SEC, he's going to learn what, what that exactly means. Coming from uh, ACC, where uh, I personally, in my opinion, think the linebackers are a little bit lighter, he's going to get hit by a couple harder, uh, more weight-carrying SEC linebackers. And uh, we'll see how he can handle that as a running quarterback. Okay, with that wrapped up, can we now talk about Georgia? I mean, I'd rather not in general, uh, but they are probably the favorites to win the East. And I think S&P has ranked them as the number two in the team in the country, which I don't know that I agree with, but uh, it is what it is. Artem, what can you tell us about Georgia? Well, it's going to depend on from. I know I'm saying that a lot for a lot of these teams, but, you know, I felt like last year not enough quarterbacks got knocked. So from's got a guy behind them who's a transfer. You know, uh, Justin Fields left after not getting enough playing time last year. Uh, they lost to Texas in a bowl game. That was uh, kind of shitty to watch, honestly, not because they lost to Texas, really, but because of, you were watching Georgia, and even a you know, as a person who doesn't like Georgia, uh, you were probably also in a situation like, "Hey, what the hell are they doing? Like, their guys didn't move well at all. They played really lazy, and you know that's a start of a bad, uh, bad culture, bad, uh, some bad seeds forming there to to form that kind of environment. I think uh, they need to win a lot of games quickly." To overcome that, they do have Swift back. Um, I do think they need to win the Notre Dame game week four to make a statement and kind of turn around after that uh, that Texas loss and get the bad taste out of their mouth because um, there's going to be a lot of – usually when there's a bad loss like that, there's a lot of you know blame and uh, teams can go a lot of different ways. So 
I would say the way they played that Notre Dame game, uh, it looks like it's at home. So if, if they win the Notre Dame game, I think they'll be a good team. They'll be a contender. Uh, if they don't win the Notre Dame game, I actually see them losing to the title, SEC East title, to Florida. Interesting. Okay. I mean, that was something, Andrew, I know you weren't there for it, but that was something we talked about in the team talk uh, earlier this year was how Georgia's, uh, how did you put it, Artem, their, uh, their lack of spirit, lack of spirit tends to drag them down or rather their, uh, I think of it more of a, as a corrupting factor. Uh, it seems like their players always seem to be driven by their emotions. But, Andrew, I mean, I'm going to pass it to you. Do you really think that's going to affect them as the year rolls on? I, I don't think – I think it would affect them to play Alabama because I think they're just so much more talented than everyone on their schedule. Jake Fromm's a great player. He's he's you know he thirty touchdowns, six interceptions last year. I think I think we kind of do him a little bit of a disservice because we talk about him as a game manager when I mean the dude's a great quarterback. He's smart, he throws the ball well, he reads the field greatly. We really don't you know, and they've relied on really good running backs, DeAndre Swift just being, you know, next man up in their list of these great running backs. But I mean Fromm's a great player. And the crazy thing to me is you think about Georgia's wide receivers and the names don't jump out to you. You know, you don't think of any big time, big name, you know, guys that you really think about. You know, and and Jeremiah Holloman, their leading returning receiver, was thrown off the team, so they've got to replace him, as well as losing a lot of their production in you know Riley Ridley, Miko Hardeman, some of those wide receivers from last year. The offensive line brings back a lot and should be very good, as they've been the past couple of years. The defense, on the other hand, has a lot of linebackers they have to replace. The entire secondary comes back, so that's definitely a positive for them. Again, off off a team that was very, very good last year defensively. So, you know, the Notre Dame game, I think, as Autumn said, is going to be kind of a big, a big push game. But I don't, I don't see them losing that game. I just, I don't. They're in that Alabama level where, and they don't play the West. You know, their West teams are. Auburn, which who the hell knows, and AM, which we think AM is going to be really good, but we wouldn't, you know, we're not going to put AM on this level yet. And so, God, you know, I, 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 an undefeated Georgia this year wouldn't surprise me in the least. That's Honestly, cool. I would be more surprised for them to lose more than one game than for them to be undefeated. No, don't say it. Say it isn't so. That's not. Look, man, I hate him with every part of fiber of my being. But man, sometimes you just gotta you gotta be objective. Okay, well, let's be objective about the other team that's uh, big out there, Alabama. So we're basically saying these are the two tier one teams, Georgia and Alabama. So we're picking. We're essentially saying these are the two teams we expect to be in the SEC championship at the end of the day. Uh, who, what is the, uh, what is the factor here for Alabama? Obviously we've got Saban. We've,
Okay. Uh, we've got Saban. We've got... Uh... <sighs> Shit. Why do I keep doing... Why do I listen to what Aradim types out? All right. Saban's a great coach. Obviously, they've got the talent level. I mean, what's going to set them apart this year compared to their past few years? Honestly, I feel like they're taking a step back with some of the talent that they've lost, but it's kind of hard to argue with their performance last year other than in the national championship game that they're still the top team to beat. Uh, Andrew, thoughts on Alabama going into the year? You know, as, as we, we talked about in the Big Ten preview, you know, until somebody knocks them off their pedestal, they're the they're the team. You know, now, it was interesting to see Clemson basically do to Alabama what Alabama does to everyone else, where they've recruited so well that their twos and threes and all of their depth are unbelievable players, which is something that Alabama was known for for years. And it was is Nick Saban lost a ton of his coaching staff off of this, you know, and it was one of those weird ones where a lot of guys were already kind of halfway out the door going into the title game. So you wonder how much of an impact they might've had that might've had (laughs) no Nick Saban coached Alabama team had lost a game by more than 14 points. Like, like, that's how incredible that demand just just dismantling by Clemson was, and it's just unbelievable because I mean that Alabama offense is statistically one of the better ones we've ever seen, and they get a ton back. Jerry Judy's back, Henry Ruggs is back, Devonta Smith is back. Obviously, Tagovailoa is back. They've got to replace the interior of the offensive line, and their offensive line coach Brett Key left. Najee Harris is going to step in for Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs, but again. With, the, with a team like Alabama who's recruited so well and, you know, kind of just spits running backs out left and right, the talent will be there. You know, Tagovailoa, 43 touchdowns to six interceptions, almost 4,000 yards, and you think he's going to get a year better. It's just the defense is where you have questions. They've got to find some, you know <sighs> – Again, but the talent's there. So it's one of those weird things where they did everything else. They just ran up against the one team that was more talented than they were. You know, I mean, you look at some of their games last season. Maybe the title game against Georgia, 35-28, to 28, or maybe the A&M get 45-23, and they still scored 45 points. Like, there was no challenge for them up until the SEC title game, and I'm not sure if I see it this year. You know, LSU will be tough. I think A&M will be tough, especially in College Station. But, you know, Tennessee's not great. Um, their other crossovers at South Carolina. They open the season against Duke. Like, <laughs> I, I see Alabama doing exactly what they did last year. And maybe the depths come back or maybe they've, they've developed more. You know, Saban's maybe refocused everyone the way they need to refocus. They're a little young defensively, which is kind of fascinating, you know, because for years it was sophomores and sophomores would wait, you know, freshman sophomores would wait, play as juniors after having time in the system. But they shouldn't have lost to Clemson the way they did, and I still am trying to figure out how it happened. Uh, well, I mean, I think the whole world is trying to figure out 
how it happened. I mean, most people can't really wrap their minds around the idea that Alabama lost that way. Still can't. I mean, but one thing's for sure, I don't think Saban's the guy who lets this teams dwell on the fact that they lost like that. They're going to take that and they're going to take it as motivation to fire them up and move forward. Uh, kind of like we talked about in the team talk. Uh, Artem, I mean, it's Alabama. It's a top team. I think Andrew pretty much covered the breadth of it. What else do you have to add? Yeah, you're right. He did cover quite a bit. Um, that's my only thing is their their defense is a little young. Uh, there's only a couple of names I recognize on there, which are they're all all-star players uh, for the names I do recognize. Diggs, you know, Sertain, Ray. Um, but they do have pretty much their entire offense back except for their running back. So Najee Harris, uh, we'll, we'll see where he goes. Biggest factor is Tua. Uh, you know, he had that ankle that he injured that he was trying to heal up the entire way up till the um, till the playoffs. So he's going to have to kind of bounce back from that. Uh, probably one of the worst injuries he's had in his career up to that kind of knocked him down a peg. Uh, we'll see how he handles that going into the season and throughout the year. But honestly, if, if I'm Tua and I'm saving, you know, taking a shit, I open up the newspaper and uh, or whatever the heck they read, their mobile phone, and they're like, man, this has got to be the easiest schedule we've ever seen. I don't see a single game on here that's going to be a challenge. I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure Saban still Saban still reads the newspaper, I'm pretty sure. And, yeah, he would think that. Uh, but he won't let his teammates, th- he won't let his team think that, though, that's for sure. He's gonna yeah, hype. He, was, he was probably like, man, this is a good shit. And then he's like, damn it. I'm going to have to try to sell this to the players as a, <laughs> a tough schedule. <laughs> i tell you what, That's man. That's probably the biggest joke. Duke has gotten better each year we've played. Though. Every year they've played, they've gotten better. Oh, my gosh. Since that 0-16 season they played back in, what, 20, 2008 or something. You know, yeah. it's kind of fascinating to me that – Saban does exactly what Bill Belichick always does. Somehow Bill Belichick every year convinces the New England Patriots that no one thinks they can do it. No one thinks they can win. No one expects – you're like, what? (laughs) What kind of black wizard bullshit magic do you have, Bill Belichick? Well, I mean, we know what Saban did. He sold his soul to the devil. I mean, he's he's doing a pretty good job. Uh, the devil's doing a pretty good job. He's got his back, as far as we can tell. I mean, they don't call him Nick Satan for nothing. But, uh, all right, guys, let's wrap this up real quick. Uh, picks to win the SEC. Uh, it's pretty much we've already talked about who's coming out of the East and the West, I'm, I'm thinking. But, uh, Artem, just in case, let me ask you, who's coming out of the East? Who's coming out of the West? Who you got as the champion? Just to be different, I'm going to pick Florida over Georgia in the East and uh, Bama in the West. Bama beating uh, Florida. Fair enough. And Andrew, who do you got? I think it's Alabama, Georgia. I think Alabama wins because I refuse to pick Georgia. And I think we get into another fun argument about do both of them belong in the playoff? That's not a fun argument. Go fuck yourself. I mean, I agree. It's a horrible argument, but it still happens. I'm so excited for it, and they do. Absolutely do. I think it depends on if there are more undefeated teams out there, but I I somewhat agree with you. 
like a Big Twelve team undefeated? I think I think an undefeated Oklahoma, an undefeated Clemson, an undefeated Alabama, and an undefeated Ohio State get in. I don't over, think an over over a one loss Georgia. Get in. Uh, I think they will though. Okay, here's a good here's a good one. What if it's a one loss Notre Dame, but their losses to Michigan? But they but but, but, but they would have but but they would have beat Georgia. Yeah, but they beat Georgia. Well, then yeah, they get in because they beat Georgia, and Georgia would have two losses. Okay. Well, what if Georgia wins the SEC? Oh, we're not we're not doing that theory. Okay, got it. <laughs> Georgia has one loss. It's only to Notre Dame, but Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game. But Alabama's only losses to Georgia, whose only losses to Notre Dame, whose only losses to Michigan. Yeah, I mean the the struggle. The struggle is <laughs> and, and, and Michigan in this world only wins nine games. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. Anyway, that's that's gonna wrap us up. Enough mind boggling for the day. Uh, that's gonna wrap us up for this week. Thanks as always to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, you can check us out next week at toemeetsleather.com. Thanks as always. Have a good rest of your week. Good night, everybody.